Section thirty five of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Mrs. Diamond by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Book four, chapter one War and the Rumors of War for the angel of death spread her wings on the blast to all of us who were safe at home in eighteen seventy the distant sound of the cannon the cry of the ousted sorrowful inhabitants of the country but a couple of hours journey from our own shores came softened by distance and by that stultifying sense of our own safety it was not indifference our neighbour's trouble was present to us and keenly realised but we know that the good Samaritan himself, after walking by the ass and upholding his sick and wounded neighbour, left him to recover alone at the inn. With the first alarm, Michael and Zidermi appeared in Tarndale, sent by their mother, to finish their holidays in safety. Mr. Marney, whose trade was flourishing at the moment, forwarded a letter by the boys in his dashing handwriting. I send the boys, my dear Susanna trusting to your sisterly care i cannot bring them myself this war gives absorbing occupation to men of my trade i am trying to persuade my wife to pack up her boxes and also rejoin you in your luxurious home poor polly has some impression that her presence at the villa du parc acts as a pledge for her unworthy husband's safety think of the prussians says i let them come on says she i will not desert my post though what good she can do me here and i at the other end of france is past my comprehension your home will be always ready says she you can come back at any hour of the day or night and when i represent to her that i can do that anyhow with a latch key and a couple of sovereigns she bursts into tears madame du parc being of a less valorous constitution has chosen the better part under present circumstances and discreetly retires to her vineyard near avignon seriously speaking my dear susanna i do entreat you who have more influence over polly than most people to persuade her that there is no advantage to me whatever in her remaining here only great inconvenience even though the prussians should not advance beyond the frontier there are all sorts of ill-looking adventurers and frank stirrers hanging about the place just now poor mrs marney she scarcely knew how to withstand the united commands of her husband and her daughter crowbeck seemed so far away so utterly out of reach there was no one there not even susanna to whom she could speak of marney what should she do there if he was ill or wounded susie would never let her go she would keep her from him the poor thing wandered about the empty villa pale anxious huddled in an old cloak wistfully watching madame's independent arrangements as she prepared for her own departure torn with terrors for marney unable to decide for herself mary marney was utterly miserable and wearying to others susie's letters full of entreaties and of the preparations for tempe's wedding only elicited a faint return from her mother Frazee's printed messages the boy's round hand seemed alone to bring some gleam of interest to the poor soul 
she studied the papers for news she cross-questioned everybody marney had been ordered to the front to join the emperor's headquarters at chalons to be in the triumphant train of the journey to berlin marney used to shrug his shoulders when his wife appealed to him as to his probable destination i don't mind taking the odds against setting up my quarters in the royal palace at berlin if that is what you mean my dear he said heaven knows where we shall all be this day month you will be more in the way of news at crowbeck than anywhere else they take in the velocipede don't they country bigwigs as they are crowing on their dung heaps mrs marney only turned away to hide her tears one day madame at once touched and irritated beyond measure by her friend's imploring look suddenly said emerging from a huge caisse of cooking utensils which she was carefully packing i believe you would be happier after all if you came with me madame marney if your husband joins the camp at chalons you will be nearer at avignon than anywhere else not that you need fear anything for him he is not one of those who get drowned or shot mutters madame with her head in the saucepans again but mrs marney did not care what madame muttered she clutched at her offer as a child might seize upon a toy marney who was absolutely indifferent to his wife's movements did not oppose the scheme except by the usual shrug you know your own mind best he said when he took leave of her soon after her beautiful sad eyes her mute tender passionate farewell touched him poor polly he thought as he turned away what the deuce possesses her to be so fond of me marney actually took the trouble to write to his wife once or twice during the first few days and when his letters came mrs marney radiant and delighted would send on long quotations to susy at tarndale for once susy was thankful to receive news of mr marney and to know his whereabouts and that he was prospering for this also meant that her mother's mind was at ease and able to rest when marney took the trouble to write to his wife he would send brilliant accounts of his own doings and graphic descriptions of the events as they occurred other news there was which susy read quietly turning a little pale as her eyes followed the straggling lines of her mother's correspondence which was not all confined to chronicles of her husband's doings madame du parc was it appeared actively engaged in a lawsuit with the neighbouring proprietor she was indignant with her son for leaving her to bear the brunt of it all alone why did he stop away among all those cutthroats and conspirators the first news of him came from tours where he had joined general dewars then mrs marney wrote that he had been sent back to paris with a regiment of mobiles in which he had enlisted how many things happened to us up in the air whole seasons of life seemed to pass not on the ground not ruled by hard tangible things and details such as events and chairs and tables but overhead in some semi-mysterious region where we turn to the vague inscrutable fancies which belong no less to our lives than its facts and statistics where amid the chimes and the song of birds or among storms and clouds so much of our secret life is past susanna diamond was a timid woman in some way half educated in the art of feeling of living beyond she would not let herself face the thoughts which she could not always dispel nor dared she try to measure the load of anxiety at her heart with which she lived through all the long months of that glaring summer-time with its cruel arid hours dividing her from the soft dreams of the spring 
those past days had been so lovely so natural and easy and now it seemed so unnatural to be unhappy from day to day from hour to hour she never knew what the fate might be of that one person who had changed her life's secret course what was it that had come to her a sense of the nothing in life a bitter impatience of that terrible degree by which time after time we are swept away from our nearest and truest and then there would dawn for her the sense of possible happiness of companionship which might have made a heaven for her of all those anxious days and heavy hours and she dared not even think of it she must not even realize the tender blessing every material comfort was hers tempy's affection touched her deeply she had means to help those she loved she had been faithful to her husband's trusts all round about her were grateful sights and sounds his legacy of comfort and happiness the beacons of golden gorse lighting along the high moors as the sun sets the sky turns to gold and crow-crab to purple suddenly a great burst of evensong comes from the birds overhead all is peace except for the melodious din of whisperings and chirrupings and sweets repeated notes she can hear the church bell across the lake ringing for evening service it is a strange confusion of light and sound of rest and life but nature is often like the children piping in the market-place there are times when beauty only jars and aches and stings no one seeing susy all through these months could have guessed at the hard fight she made struggling to put aside vain regrets to live in that wholesome hour the present which is so much better for all of us than the past moods and future tenses to which so much of our life is strained no one seeing her calm and smiling on tempy's wedding day could have guessed at the longing strange pain self-reproach in her heart indeed some of the neighbours could not help contrasting her coldness with miss bolsover's warmth of overflowing tears and feelings tempy's wedding had been fixed for the fourth of september a day peaceful and of good omen for the inhabitants of crowbeck place one full of terror and alarm for the dwellers in a city not twenty-four hours distant from tarndale while tempy put on her travelling dress with susy's help a weeping woman standing among other women also in tears overwhelmed by disaster upon disaster by desperate news of armies flying and broken terrified by the angry cry of the gathering populace outside the windows was also taking leave of her own for ever her attendants came up one after another to kiss her hand one of them hurriedly tied a black hood over the lady's beautiful hair helped her off with her gold embroidered mantle and flung a darker wrap upon her shoulder then followed by one of her faithful women only the empress came out of the golden gate of the palace trembling because some passing urchin called her name meanwhile the tarndale bells were ringing across the lake for tempe bolsover's wedding day and the young couple were speeding northward on their happy wedding journey aunt fanny in garments gorgeous beyond compare stood taking leave of the wedding guests good mrs bolsover sat subdued and emotioned in a corner joe had gone off for a solitary walk over the hills and when the last of the company was gone including uncle bolsover who had lately started a tricycle and who departed zigzagging along the road susy went upstairs to her own room and changed her silk dress for a grey country gown she called the children phraisie and the little brothers and crossing into the wood beyond the road she took the woodland path leading upward to the moors 
Frazee, trotting along the lane, looked like a little autumn berry herself. The leaves were turning brown upon the trees and sparkled, repeating the light. Tiny leaves of gold, amber-brown, crimson, or lingering green overhung the winding way. Presently they came to a little pool of all colours, gold with the reflection of the ash-trees, crimson where the oak-trees shone, into which the boys flung their stones, and then set off running ahead once more. Susie still followed in silence. Tempe's happiness had warmed her heart, and she was thankful to be quiet in the unconscious company of the happy children, glad to be recalled from her sadder world by their happy voices. From the shade of the wood with its nuts and birds and squirrels, they came out upon the moor, whence they can see the silent tumult of the mountains beyond, crest and crescent, and sweeping ridge and delicate sunlit peaks, silent and very still yet shifting perpetually and changing with every minute's light as susy stood there the old cruel feeling which she had hoped to subdue suddenly came over her again everything seemed so confused so short so long so many things to do so many to undo there were so many words to say so many to unsay ah why had she ever tried to explain to one who would not understand ah how gladly she would have waited for years had he but agreed to it but with him it was a man's strong passing feeling with her it had been a new self only then awakened now she knew what it all had meant as she went back in mind to those early spring days remembering the new light in the sky the beauty of the world the look in people's faces the wonder of commonplace she understood it all susy cries dermy come come frazy wants you Little Frazy had tumbled into a furze bush and refused to be comforted by her uncles, and her mother, suddenly awakening from her dreams, now hurriedly ran to pick her up, to kiss away her tears, and to wipe her wet cheek with her handkerchief. End of section 35